Welcome to the Knife Journal Podcast, the long-awaited one, almost one-year anniversary of the last one, episode number 120. I'm here with I'm here with my good friend Kyle. Yeah. And we are about to tear it up yep. today. We actually because have uh, knife content. I've uh, pre- prepared some uh, good topics that I'm sure everybody will <laughs> good be Good stuff interested to get in. my blood boiling. Well, not so much of that. There's some of that. Um, we can definitely go into that, but I have there's a ton of stuff we can talk about that um, Oh, it's, it's, there's so much that's happened in the last in the last uh, since the last episode. It's not even funny. Yeah, um, we are literally in prepping two Y two K prepping mode. <laughs> Every <laughs> Kyle, you were what sixteen then? Y two K? No, I was in um, I was in my last year of medical school, so like, I would have like been ob- twenty oblivious to Y two K probably. No, I was in Chicago. I, I, know. I was didn't they, very they aware care, of it. Did they? No, did they they, everybody was. I mean, the thing is, is at that time I had friends that worked in the um, data engineering sector. So right. Ross Perot's big company, whatever that was, I had a friend that worked there, and and I had some other friends that worked in that kind of industry that involved that were the most worried about Y two K, and they were like, "Yeah, nothing's going to happen." Yeah. And it was funny because the people that were the, actually the most worried was not necessarily about our stuff, but they were worried about other stuff. They were worried about Russian stuff. But that's a whole other topic, and yeah. you know, not, and nothing serious came, ever came about. And uh, but it did actually create a pretty incredible industry that is alive and well today. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, there's there's always been people that are worried the sky is falling and there's always right, been but, a way to make a living by telling people that literally tomorrow the sky is going to fall. <laughs> right. But I think that I honestly believe that prior to Y2K it wasn't it wasn't mainstream. No. I think Y2K all of a sudden made it normal to start thinking about things that could turn to shit. And uh and I think it's it's in the past twenty five years it's done nothing but grow. Yeah. And that that I mean if you look at uh, trying to purchase some twenty five year food supply right now, you'll find it very difficult to buy any. And it, I think the only thing you can buy is like granola. Yeah. You you can't buy any freeze dried meat whatsoever. No no real free dry freeze dried protein, which I don't know. I don't know how well that would. I mean, how does the will the protein will that protein survive twenty five years? Oh yeah, or, or would it break down? You think? No, it'd be fine. Um, it depends on how it's um, prepared. Like MREs are right. I mean, they've figured that out. Um, speaking of which, I have the. Did you see that I acquired the Holy Grail of MREs? Yeah. 
So if you guys don't know, uh, it took them. I actually have a bunch of those. The the real one, the one that I got. So there's, if if you guys don't know, uh, the military worked for like 35 plus years to figure out how to make a pizza MRE. And they finally got it. (laughs) And so I got one of those pizza MREs that's, I, I was planning to eat when we, when Jim and I were planning a camp out, which got nixed because of hunting season. Um, but, uh, I'm going to eat it and do a video review of it eventually, but that pizza MRE, man, I'm, I'm all up on that. Uh, did, well, and the thing is, is I got it, uh, man, we have so much to talk about. Like the, the, we could talk about my Illinois odyssey because nobody knows about that. We could talk about... <laughs> I mean, where do we even start? I mean, I went well, to Haiti again. I went to the Grand Tetons. I mean, we start. It, we can start at the beginning, okay? Okay, since okay, since the last podcast. Um, what was the, what was the actual date? That was April, wasn't it? It was yeah, sometime in April. We recorded the, and then we recorded one, but then I moved and I switched computers, and that is a lost episode. So this would be episode one twenty one, but. We recorded one that I it, that just never got made into an episode. Um, it was like it an got, hour. It got lost. Yeah, it was like an hour or something like some, that. Someday in the future, there's going to be an advertisement for the lost episode <laughs> right. of Knife Turtle. Yeah, well, there's always been <laughs> everything people. you wanted to know about Knife Journal. There's there's <laughs> always been people that have been clamoring for the unedited version of the podcast. Well, I've figured out a way where you could potentially do that but it's not free um and what that would be is we we would have to do a patreon and we would put unedited episodes up for unedited content yeah subscribe to the patreon but i i don't even want to go into that to be honest because it's such a pain in the ass and i there's a reason that stuff gets edited out and that the the podcast sounds the way it does and it, it involves me snipping out stuff that's not particularly interesting like coffee breaks or dogs howling uh sometimes or, some things are said that are not for public consumption and, um, and you know and the funny and the the funny part about that is it's not necessarily when some of those things that are edited for not public consumption sometimes it's really not the way we believe and it's tongue in cheek but, but it sounds so bad, right? There's no, there's, there's no, no way that anybody would, yeah. you know, it, you could the stuff. I mean, the, certain people would understand, yeah, but and they this, would, and they would laugh. But, but this, there's other people that listen. They, they would be like all over. Yeah, well, people could already go back and pick shit out of context from the 119 previous episodes, right? And if they put it in the right way, and they you know, they spliced it together in the right way, they could, they could cause a little bit of trouble. Um, so, you know, it's never for me. Okay. I guess you're going to do that if you want to go to that effort, but whatever. Um, but you know, that the, the podcast is edited to be more interesting, not less interesting. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I guess, um, where we should start is, uh, uh, what, in the in since our last episode, let's talk about what's happened in your life. Let's start. With okay, you. so so the la- so I'm trying to think of the date. When was that? It was last April. Just say mid-April last year. It was before. Year. It was just before 
the snow went away. Yeah. So we had finished up maple syrup. Yeah. In fact, I think we just finished up maple yeah, syrup. Yeah, it would have been been an April 13th. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think we just finished up maple syrup, and yeah. I was pulling taps. <clears throat> um, we made a, a buttload of uh, maple syrup. Yeah, I have a couple year. quarts. Yep. And we have, um, uh, I picked up a new uh, um, evaporator this year, and my plan was to build a new sugar shed, sugar shack, whatever you want to call it, um, sugar house. Uh, that and means I, something I, different in Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> That's correct. Or it might be called a chicken shack out there. Yeah. Anyway. They, well, it was, yeah, it was a couple different, uh, there was a couple different kinds of shacks. There was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway you know the kind um, of shack i'm talking about yep yep and so uh so my plan was to build a uh a, a new sugar house and i've got a ginormous white pine tree that i've i limbed all up to the top and it's ready to come down and i haven't cut it down yet and um and i was going to have a sawmill guy come over and saw it up for me which he's been busy all summer because everybody and their brother is building some kind of off-grid cabin yeah. up here. <laughs> you know, uh, it's that's the latest craze. We got all. I mean, it's 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 funny that we have actually have a Facebook group. Now, get your head wrapped around this. You've got a Facebook group that is talking about off-grid living. Yeah, that's been I mean, a thing I, I, forever, though. But well, but well, not, I know no, they're but... yeah Facebook yeah it's on Facebook so <laughs> it's on Facebook yeah hey look at my I'm bringing in Wi-Fi to my off-grid living camp your cuck shed you mean yeah exactly <laughs> I I don't know I it listeners don't Google cuck shed just don't do it <laughs> so. So I, I've just been busy doing that kind of stuff, training my dog. Uh, oh, tell them about your dog. They don't know about this one. Oh, I have a, a uh, it must be two years now we've had him, right? Um, it's a Belgian, I, I picked up a Belgian Malawar uh, rescue, which people who are not familiar with this kind of dog, they are extremely high strung and they are they're literally my the dog trainer i work with calls them the porpoise of the dog world <laughs> they're they're very 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 smart and they don't and they they just don't forget and so they're the kind of dog that you know like when you play with a labrador puppy and he's chewing on your hands and you're saying oh he's so cute you know he's oh that's so cute and he's he's pulling on your pant leg and you're oh that's so cute well that with with one of these dogs that reinforces that behavior and they'll continue to do it unless you stop it right then because they will remember i mean they're these dogs are smart that by eight nine weeks old they are receptive to the common sit stay um spin shake um commands lie down well, all those commands by nine weeks old they're open to that how do and they you can do train with, them how do they do, do all that don't eat that poop fido don't eat that poop yep yeah <laughs> that, they they do real well with that they do real well with that because it because it gets caught in their ginormous teeth 
<laughs> so, um, so anyway, so so it's a because they're like that, they're very very easy to screw up, mm-hmm. and that's where the problem lies. Is that everybody thinks that they can have one of these dogs and lock them in their house and go to work and come back nine hours later, and the dog is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you, they don't do that. Well, and you you locked it in your car once, and then what he happened? He ate my car. He yeah. ate the entire of my car. <laughs> it, it, like, and that was when we just got him. Um, so so I'm going to back up a little bit. So I got him. He was uh, just a year old, okay? So he had already did, like, major damage everywhere he's been. He, he was like a tornado. And, uh, I mean, they call them alligators. They call them alligators. They call them they, – they, their, their reputation is that they're a raptor crossed with an um, alligator and a German shepherd. So, mm-hmm. so that's, what their, that's what their reputation is. And what happened – you know, I don't know the complete whole story, but apparently he was surrendered at some point in time. Uh, because the household couldn't have it. Then COVID hit, and the the fellow that had him um, ended up having. He was like a uh, an in between, like a like a um, a holdover till they could find a house for him. He, he wasn't going to adopt him. He was just like a temporary housing for him. Well, COVID hit. They couldn't move him. Everything was locked down. They couldn't move him out of state. They couldn't. I mean, it was awful. So this guy had this dog for like four months, locked up in, a, and he was, and he's working like 10, 12 hours a day. So he he put a um, a containment in this basement that was like a ten by ten fence, like a like a, um, what like do you a call kennel. cyclone cyclone fence. Yeah, yeah, kennel fence in his basement that was floor to ceiling. And kept him there for 10 hours. And then when he got home, he would open up his front door to, so the dog would run outside. And he would feed him by throwing all his food on the front lawn. And he had to find his food. Uh, so it was it was not a good situation. Hmm. And um, so he had a lot of pretty antisocial behavior. So we get him and... Uh, it was basically supposed to be a temporary thing, and if it was going to work out, we were going to keep them. Well, it was a rough. It was a rough first month. I mean, he he was he bit my wife twice, <laughs> and I have and never picked, never punched the skin, never broke the skin, but put a bruise on her arm. Like I had socked her, like as hard as I could hit her with a baseball bat. I mean, it was just a giant. I mean, hematoma, everything. It was a. It was, and it was not a. She was walking him. We had been to the. We had go, already gone to a, a, a behavioralist, and uh, you know we were working with him, teaching him how to heal, teaching him how to. Because he came, he didn't know anything. He was just a freaking wild man. I mean, literally just a wild man. Um. He took, so so I made different leads for him. The first thing I made some long leads for him and some short leads for him, and he never acted up with me. He always um, 
he never would pull on the on the leash or anything like that. He never he, he was I mean he wouldn't heal properly, but he never acted up and turned on me. Well, we were in the we we had been we had already been like six times to the to this one dog trainer, and we were doing exactly as we were supposed to. She took him for a walk in the back, and I happened to be on the tractor. And she walked out and it, and was fine. Um, and then on the way back, he saw me on the tractor, so he decided that he wanted to come and see me. And she was trying to keep him where he was, where she was, and he he pulled on the leash and she did what she was supposed to do except she wasn't she didn't have a long enough arm and wasn't quite strong enough to keep him away from her and he grabbed her on the back of the arm on hmm. the on the on the side of the arm and just gave her a giant blood blister i mean it was it was big and uh, and that was that was i thought that was going to be it i didn't think that he was going to stick around after that and you know she she calmed down he calmed down he acted like he was kind of sorry that he did it um the other thing with these guys is you can't hit them you can't give them negative uh you can't you can't treat them in a negative way so you can't spank them you can't smack them you can't do any of that shit it doesn't work you the only thing you can do is positive reinforcement so and and like with kids you, you know how you have to you know, rather than punish a kid, like a, a three-year-old, you will, like, redirect them. Redirect their energies into something else. Right. It's like a, it's like a really good way to, to, to teach kids what's right and what's wrong. And uh, two-year-olds, that's about, like, the way you would teach a two-year-old to not stick their finger in a, in a plug, in a socket, or something like that. You'd redirect their energy into something. Anyways, so that's what you got to do to these guys. So, um, so we went, we were with this one trainer for, um, six times and then we stepped it up a little bit and got a, a, a much better behavioralist to work with and, um, explaining signs and, and activities that they do. We came up with a much better plan and, and now he's quite frankly, a, an extremely good dog for us. Um, and now we're slowly introducing him to other people. Like I'm starting to take him to, to uh, home Depot and the hardware store and that kind of stuff. Uh, that's a big, it's, it's, it's a commitment. big commitment. Yep. It is. It's a big commitment. And to be honest, I, I'm not going to get rid of him, but if something were to happen to him, I would get a puppy of this breed. Because now I know everything that can go wrong with them and how you stop it from happening. Mm. And, and then, um, see, where, where his problem is is that he was not socialized as a little puppy. As an eight-week-old, nine-week-old puppy, he was never exposed to anybody else. That's where the problem lies. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, dog's, the dog is very, very smart, extremely smart. You talk to him in sentences. I mean, it's funny. I mean, you literally, I'll say, you know, go get your rope and we'll play tug. And he'll go get his he'll go get his tug of war rope and bring it back to you. And I don't even know I, I won't even know where it is. I was like, go get it and bring it to me. And he'll he'll go get it. And so anyway, so that's the that's the dog. He's uh, it's, a lot of people have probably seen pictures of him on Facebook. I mean, they run. They're incredible athletes. They run uh, 
like 35 miles an hour. There's there's videos of them climbing 20 foot walls. Oh yeah, easy. running up the side of them. Yeah, they'll they'll know? easily do that. You know, uh, it's it's they're they're just an amazing creature, and the military uses them in Dutch Shepherds almost exclusively now, hmm. because they're um, genetically have, their, their genetics have not changed in a long time, and with the German Shepherds, their genetics have changed quite a bit, and so people kind of shy away from the German Shepherd dogs now. Mm. And they're moving towards these guys. And Navy. this was a Bin Laden dog. This was one of the dogs that, that uh, helped get Bin Laden. And um, I don't know. They're, they're just plain old. They're pretty awesome. So you spent a year, uh, the last year, messing with this dog. Yep. Making maple syrup. Making maple syrup, shooting guns, uh, selling knives. Mm -hmm. uh, what else? What else have I done? A lot of lot of church stuff. Mm -hmm. I guess I got more involved with church than uh, than I have been in the in the long past. Um, I don't know. I haven't traveled much. We haven't gone yeah, it's, anywhere. It's hard. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. So should I start with the Illinois thing? Yeah. All right. So <laughs> I know you love Illinois so much. That, believe me, this is a topic. So almost immediately after we recorded that last podcast, I w at the time I was traveling back and forth uh, to Illinois, um, north of Chicago there, uh, to... Um, do locum tenens work as a plastic surgeon at a trauma center. And I was uh, doing that in the interim between taking a full-time job there. Well, I stayed in this hotel in uh, <laughs> by the trauma center. And one night uh, at midnight, uh, there's this bang, 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 loud as hell on my door. And somebody's out there uh, screaming, this is the police, open up your goddamn door. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm going to get flashbanged. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> mistaken identity or whatever. But, well, it, so I, I went to the door and I looked through the peephole and there was this very pissed off looking police guy out there. And I'm like, uh, do you mind if I put some clothing on before I open the door? And he's like, no, that's fine. Just as soon as you open the door, get down to the lobby. There's a mass shooter. And I'm like, ah, shit. <laughs> and so I uh, put some clothing on, uh, grabbed an item for personal protection, and went down to the lobby of this hotel. And we were there until like 7 in the morning, uh, me and a bunch of other people that were staying in the hotel. Well, yep. It wasn't my hotel that had the mass shooting. It was one that shared the same parking lot. 
and uh, eventually the guy um, shot himself or something, and they let us go on about our business. But so anyway, that's how I started my uh, year and three months in this new place. Um, so I took a job in Illinois at a level one trauma center as the only plastic surgeon, and I worked my ass off. Sometimes uh, that's not the best idea, is it? Well, it you know, in retrospect, I'm really, really glad I did it because I took the job right before COVID became a thing. Mm -hmm. And it, I make my money, at least when I'm in solo private practice, I make my money off of elective surgery. Right. And it... Boob, boob jabs and such. No, like skin cancer and stuff, but stuff oh. that isn't emergency that you don't, that doesn't come in through the hospital. Thought, it comes I in through your like office. Boob jobs and and uh, um, nose nose jobs and facelifts were where the money's at. It's not. Um, no, nope. not really, because those people. The people that lip, are getting that injections. Are, are time sinks. It, lip, those lip are injections. those are those are break even at best because <laughs> um, the product costs. And then, you know, every they're coming in because they're nitpicky about their um, appearance. And if they're nitpicky before, they're going to be nitpicky afterwards. And so that's why I don't really like doing that kind of work. Right. Um, I prefer stuff that people actually need. So I right. took this job and uh, – if I hadn't taken it, I would have gone bankrupt because they right. shut down elective surgery in Michigan for months and months and months. Right. And so I went there and I worked my ass off. I was on call three out of every four nights at a level one trauma center. So you can imagine as the only guy and the night that I wasn't on call, um, all those patients had come to me anyway. Um, and I was there and then um, the hospital kind of because of COVID-19, ended up running out of money, and they decided to close my uh, department. I'm a department mm. of one, and they decided not to have it anymore, which <laughs> is going to cause them. That's happened to me before. Well, it's going to cause uh, we them had a, a we, lot of problems. We had, a, we had a budget shortfall, and it equals your salary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are we supposed to do? Well, it wasn't even that. It's that it they it my salary was drop in the bucket and because they're a level one trauma center, they still have to uh, have plastic surgery on call and available. So they're, they have to pay the call guys more than they were paying me in the salary and they don't generate anything off of it. I generated, I collected over a million dollars in the time that I was there. Not, that's not what I got paid, but that's what the hospital collected right. on my surgical fees and then on top of that, they collected all the OR fees and stuff, which is 10 times that amount. So my salary was a drop in the bucket, but they, all the other departments were getting hosed too. And so the whole picture was bad. It wasn't me. Um, so they let me loose. And one hour later, I had a job here back in Michigan. <laughs> and I'm so glad I came back. Um, because but I'm also glad I went by yeah. the same token, because if I hadn't yeah. have gone, um, it would have been dire straits for me. So here are here are the two things that I disliked about Michigan. I'll start with the least annoying one or not Michigan, Illinois, the, the least annoying one first. People will tailgate you five feet from your bumper, no matter how much how fast you're going, no matter how far <laughs> over the speed limit. 
and then they'll pass you in like no passing zones in school zones. And so, you know, I drive the speed limit maybe one or two miles an hour above, and that really annoyed the shit out of people. So I sp- spent a whole year getting tailgated. Um, and yelled at, and yelled at. Uh, yeah, and flicked off and everything else. And so I just, I, and the same thing happened to my wife, and we were just fucking done with it. Um, the the people where we lived aren't as bad as they were when we lived in Chicago, but it's you get a really strong whiff of it. I mean, you're you're <laughs> not in the toilet with them shitting; you're right outside. Yeah, and that's basically the the gist of it. And then uh, uh, the other thing, and this is much more significant, is that if you want to buy ammunition or guns or own a gun in Illinois. Uh, you have to apply for a, a thing called a FOID card, F-O-I-D, Firearm Owner, Illinois, something or other. Um, and there, when I moved there, there was at least a year and three months backlog. So if so I applied, fasc- then what, it's a year and three months before I can buy anything. What's fascinating about that to me is how that's not been challenged yet. Well, they challenge it, but somehow they get away with it. So they challenged it based on the fact that the the system was too burdensome. And then they had to come up with it. The legislature had to come up with a way to reduce the backlog. But they the backlog was created intentionally. You know, you have... Oh, absolutely. You have um, 50,000 people applying for a FOID license, and you have one person that works four hours a day, three days a week going through the applications there's a reason you're doing that it's because you don't want people owning firearms and so they they addressed that and supposedly it's going to get better but i just don't want to deal with it you know right um so those were the those were two things that were significant annoyances about illinois um now the the house that i lived in was awesome i bought a house in the woods i had a stream behind my house we had turkeys deer everything you can think of um, so my living conditions were nice socially. It sucked because everything was locked down and you couldn't meet anyone and the schools were all fucked up. You know, they were remote. And then if you did go to school, you had to be sitting in a, like a plexiglass bubble thing. And I mean, the kids hated it there. My wife hated it there and we're glad to be back where we belong, which is in Michigan. Um, but, uh, so, Not that this is a perfect place either. Well, no. So here's the thing about Michigan that's annoying, and it cost me five fucking thousand dollars after I moved. Okay, you can take your car and you can park it as far away from wherever store or whatever you're going into. You can park three parking lots over in a deserted parking lot, and you'll come up, and there'll be five dings on your car. <laughs> it and it's. It's without fail. Like your car will get dinged to shit in Michigan because they just, that's just the culture here. Um, And once I move, especially if it's a nice car. Yeah. If it's a nice car, forget it. They're going to park next to you and kick their door open into your door. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, so I moved and I got all those dents taken out. Um, The parking spaces seem to be a little bit bigger down here than they are up there. And that may be, some of the some of the issue is that yeah. parking spaces are so small but there's it's yeah, also but, in the culture yeah you know yeah um 
but that I'll live with that. I don't care. Um, so I'm back here. Happy to be here. Um, and uh, my, I still live in the woods. I live in much more rural area of the woods now. I uh, I'm in a in the woods, and then the type of woods I'm in has little ponds scattered here and there. Uh, and this morning, I went out to let the dog out, and I heard a barred owl. Um, so the biodiversity is real good here. I've got deer in my yard. Haven't heard a turkey yet, but I heard. heard so you, better, a, you gotta be careful with your dog. Yeah, I know. I'll watch her. Um, some every once in a while, something there's some hounds that live nearby, and they just start going crazy. So I think there's probably coyotes around here. Um, but I've, I've I can handle that. That's no big deal. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I'm in a pretty ideal living situation again which i like um anyway that's oh and then uh after i quit my job let's see i went uh well i went back to haiti because mm-hmm. uh, they had another earthquake and i went back with team rubicon for two weeks and uh haiti is uh, port-au-prince is the the damage from the original earthquake is basically all gone. Um, there's still a few little scattered houses here and there, but what's really different about Port-au-Prince now is that the gangs are running everything, and the uh, well, did they just did they just kill the president prior? Yeah, they right before I got there, they offed the president. Was that before the that was before the earthquake too? I think was yeah, it? it was like a couple days before. Yeah. So it was like they, they planned it. Yeah, and then <laughs> the, while I was there, they the chief prosecutor um, in, indicted the current like interim president and banned him from leaving the country, and then the current interim president fired him. And so things got even more unstable, and now there's like 17 Americans from some church group being held hostage down there. Well, so you can get to... If you know some back roads and things, and if you're really, really careful, you can get to the air from the airport to the Marriott, which is about the only safe place to stay. Uh, but you can't travel around in Port-au-Prince, and you can't travel into and out of Port-au-Prince. Um, there's like one main road that goes west to the rest of the island where the earthquake was, and that is barricaded by gangs. And if you try to travel it by road, you'll get kidnapped, which is... I'm assuming what happened to um, those people. The other thing is, is that you can't get from the port to anywhere else. You can't leave the port um, because the gangs have that barricaded. So the entire time we were there, there was this huge international relief team from Mexico trying to get in and they were stuck at the port. Um, And there's, there was like one helicopter that you could hire that we hired, but it broke down. Um, that's, I think it's run by the UN or something, but it's one of those Russian big-ass helicopters. Heine? Heine's? No, it's like their cargo helicopter thing. Um, anyway, I've got some pictures of it. We didn't get to ride on it because it broke down. but um, And we had it booked because there was a village that uh, we wanted to get into that we couldn't um, because it was too... Uh, the roads going into it were destroyed and if you 
went there and the um, and the road washed out, you were going to be there for a month. Um, so this this current earthquake hit uh, in the western part of the country, really in some jungle ass shit. It's all mountains and jungle out there, and the roads were bad anyway. They were like gravel and dirt roads that go up everywhere. Um, but they got really bad, and uh, so. If you guys get out your uh, Google Earth, you look up a town called Lakai. Uh, we flew from Port-au-Prince into there, and then we stayed in a uh, in an orphanage like with armed guards, uh, and then we based out of there. Uh, then we'd take convoys and go up into the mountains and run clinics up in there. Um, well, there's this other town. Uh, on the north coast. So Lakai is on the southern coast. There's on the north coast there's a similar town called Baraderas. And a preacher in Baraderas got uh some big gift of money from some ministry. And instead of just giving it out to people, he said, "Well, the roads be- between Baraderas and the rest of the country are completely destroyed. I'll pay you $90 a day if you go out and work on the roads." And so the roads actually got pretty cleared up i mean it's still you have to have a very serious off-road vehicle to get around in there and it's it takes hours and hours you know you're talking one or two miles an hour most of the way Um, but we went up into the mountains and did all these clinics and things and it was fun and uh one of the reasons i got that pizza mre was because uh we had to live on mres for two weeks (laughs) And uh, the MREs they sent us with aren't weren't the good ones. They were the end of like a pallet, and it was all the ones that everybody else left behind. So they're, they're oh no, they were the they were the the uh, the vegan. Yeah, the vegan ones. So the <laughs> the one that I ate the most of is called vegetarian taco pasta, but there's no pasta in there. It's just like so. I just called it vegetarian taco paste. Um, Tofu. But, but the good the good thing for me was that nobody else liked it and nobody liked the tortillas that come with MREs. So I would just squirt some of that onto a tortilla with some hot sauce and uh, I would just go to town on it. So I, I didn't do too bad, but like so, th- those were uh, bad MREs. So the la- my latest thing is I'm making tortillas. Yeah, I, I do that too. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I... Uh... I make, um, yeah, I mean, you can buy that flour, ma- masa flour. Masa harina, yeah. Masa harina, or you can make it. That's harder because, yeah. That's much harder, but it's actually pretty interesting. You use a, like a a chemical wash yeah. on the corn. Yeah, like lye and, uh, is in it and stuff. Lye, yeah, it's, yeah. Lye, it's lye is what it is. And it takes the outside hull off. Yeah. And then you uh, let it, you wash it, rinse all that off. Then you, uh, then you put it in the grinder and you grind it up and make your, make your flour and make your tortilla and bam. Yeah. I just make the masa (laughs) version of it. But you know what, what's going to happen at the end of the world, all that is going to be gone. You're not going to be able to get that. Right. Yeah. So I've been stocking up on chicken feed. Oh, good. (laughs) No, I'm just teasing. Yeah. But, uh, but, but that's a, uh, um, I mean, it is kind of funny though. The whole MRE thing is kind of interesting. Cause when I was down there, 
We had French MREs, which are kind of interesting because they have wine in it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> we thought that was pretty funny. And, and it was a little container, a tiny container. Yeah. But it was it was wine. And they're and they were I don't think that they would last very long. You know, I mean I think I think I've got MREs in here that are probably um, you know, five years old. Mm-hmm. But I'll bet you that those MREs that they had wouldn't last that long. Yeah, they're they probably, just didn't look like they would last that long. They're probably not meant to. Well, they got wine in it. <laughs> yeah, it'll turn to vinegar, right? I mean, that's the issue. I would think. I don't know. Um, but it was pretty funny. We got a big kick out of that. And then there was uh, uh, there was some Polish uh, MREs that were actually quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were we had some American ones, and they were they're okay. I mean, it, like you said, if you get the if you get the pick of the litter, you're all right. Yeah, but, but if like, you've got to if you've got to get the dregs. Yeah, <laughs> they got a palate, and like. The, the first thing that happens is all the really good ones, the people that work there, go th- go through and pick all of those out. So you don't even get a, a shot at that. And then there'll be a whole bunch of so, kind of second tier ones that are still not the best, but it's better than what we ended up with. you know. And then we, we just got the dregs and it was awful. But And then the other thing is, is that if you fly commercially, they frown on you keeping those heating elements in there so there weren't right. any of those so i built a, a an alcohol stove and we had boiling water for that but that was a whole process because this is the only time i've been somewhere where you couldn't scrounge right like they're just they're especially up in the jungle they're just there was no place to scrounge it uh and if you could scrounge it you were putting your life in danger trying to go yeah. anywhere without you know an armed convoy um so that was actually hard to source that and i was expecting to go there and maybe eat one or two mres and then just get street food but it didn't exist um so i had to bribe you know we i'd bribe somebody to give us some avocados or shit like that and you know we did all right um and then mangoes baby yeah, they weren't. Um, they weren't ready, probably. That yeah, I don't. I think maybe we had one mango, but I think we got a bunch of bananas and a bunch of avocados. I think we're we were able to get those. And then this lady, um, this lady up there owns a mountain. Like her family owns this mountain, and she's the only. Well, she's the direct descendant of the guy that owned it, and then all of her relatives live on this mountain. So we went up and stayed uh pitched our tents and hammocks and stuff up at her house and she she had left there and gone to orlando florida and became a nurse and lived in the united states for a while and then went back and so you know she knew modern medicine and everything and she was real happy we were there so i got to be pretty good friends with her and i i told her one i confessed to her one day that my favorite food was rice and beans and after that after she knew that, whenever the family was eating rice and beans, she would sneak me a plate. So I did, <laughs> I did manage to get a couple of plates of rice and beans out of the deal.
but the rest of it was all just garbage tier MREs, um, which that sucks. Well, it, I lost a bunch better of weight and nothing. I needed to anyway. Yeah. It's better than nothing. Well, you know, I mean, it's kind of interesting because, uh, like I said, uh, um, people are starting to get concerned now, and the, and your ability to buy that kind of stuff right now, the twenty-five year packets of food, is dwindling. Well, to buy anything is hard. No. Yeah, yeah. So, so my wife says to me the other day, we were in a store and there happened to be like three of those containers. They were supposed to be fifty-two meals, and it was a hundred bucks hmm. for a for a bucket, you know. And she's like, "Let's buy that," and I was like, "No," I said, "I no, I don't think so. I I can't bring myself to doing that." And she's like, "Why not?" I said, "For one thing." There's nothing on the label that says what's inside it. Mm-hmm. So I, so she's like, oh, okay. So we didn't buy. It. So yesterday, I, uh, I looked that up online on that for that company. What that bucket was, what it was in that bucket. You mm-hmm. know what it was? Hmm. Granola. Oh shit! <laughs> it was a bucket. Uh, it was literally individual packets of granola. Oh, you're lucky. I man. mean, not like powdered milk. Not like. You know, yeah, and it and and you know it said how many calories was in it, and I suppose if it's like the only thing you got to eat, uh, is granola, I suppose it's you can live on it. It's better than nothing. Better than nothing. Better than eating the soles of your shoes. Yeah, but that is yeah, it's nothing. If I was gonna spend a hundred dollars on a survival food, I'd buy a hundred dollars worth of rice and beans. Right. And that's that's that's, that's a thousand times better than buying that shit. That's what I told her. Um, and uh, I ended up, I got a new, um, I got a new shrink wrapper. My shrink, my other shrink wrapper took a shit. So I got a um, uh, armor, armor. What the hell is it called? Auto armor or uh, something anyways. like that. Yeah, something like that. It's it's actually a really a pretty good one. I'm pretty impressed with it. Um, I wanted to get a comp- I kind of wanted to get a compartment one where you put the bag inside of a in a tray inside mm-hmm. and it um, then you don't have to use the same you don't have to use the bags with the channels in them mm-hmm. you can use the ones that are are, are flat mm-hmm. they're a little cheaper but I didn't because uh, they're bigger physically bigger mm-hmm. and so I'll make do with what I got. So you want to do uh, a quick knives in the news? Yeah. I have a couple. There's a articles. lot of actually a lot of knives in the news, <laughs> and uh, most of them are not good ones. Well, okay. Uh, well, let me shoot let one. me shoot you the first one. Um, give me a sec. This is from uh, BBC.com. Sir David Ames. That's a great name for a politician. He's a mess. Conservative MP stabbed to death. So this was from a couple weeks ago. There was a 25-year-old man arrested after he stabbed this dude. um, And everybody's shocked and awed. um, And they stabbed him to death, which... How does that even happen? How are you, like, a... um, a, You know, a big-time politician in your country and somebody can just walk in and stab you? Um, 
A government source told the BBC the man arrested was a British national who, according to initial in inquiries, is of Somali heritage. Uh, but anyway, he uh, developments since then are that um, they found that he uh, they they're calling it a terrorist attack now. Mm -hmm. So of course they are. Yeah. And I have another, it's knife related. It's not a knife. Um, but I'm using this time to call for common sense quiver laws. <laughs> <laughs> this is also from the BBC. Yeah. From, That's, this is a pretty incredible story though. When you think about yeah, it. Yeah. Kongsberg, Kongsberg, Norway, five <laughs> dead in bow and arrow attack. <laughs> I mean, I can't even, that's miserable. It, I'd yeah. rather hear gunshots than I would see people getting hit by arrows. Yeah. Well, he, this guy, he's 37 years old, and at 6, uh, looks like 6 p.m. their time, this guy went and shot a bunch of people uh, with a bow and arrow, and police said they had previously been in contact with him over fears of radicalization after he converted to Islam. The victims were all aged between 50 and 70. Uh, Regional Police Chief Oli Bredup, Syverud, <laughs> told terrible. reporters on Thursday morning. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, this guy, he must have been like really damn good with that bow to have time to kill five people with it. Have you have you seen that German guy that makes the uh, repeating bow? Mm -mm. I can't think of his name, but I think if you put go on YouTube and you put repeating bows, All right. you'll find him. Yeah, you'll I'll... get a kick out of him. Okay. Um, he has a real funny laugh. Anyway, I got one. Okay, let's hear it. Scientists create a wooden knife that's three times sharper than steel. Whoa. Yeah. Hardened wood slices through steak like hot steel knife through butter. Nice. <laughs> uh, it says uh, the gold standard for knives is usually steel or ceramic, but in, the, in a new study appearing in the Journal of Matter on October 20th, material scientist describes their latest creation as a, quote, hardened wooden knife, unquote, around three times sharper than a stainless steel dinner knife. The wood can easily cut through a medium, medium well-done steak. According to Tang Lee, the material scientist at the University of Maryland and the author on the paper, and it can be used and reused many times. Hmm. What well, do you that, think of that shit? That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So they're they must be they must be cooking it somehow. To, yeah. To remove some of the cellulose or do something. Yeah, to, it's probably uh, changing a, this. a laminate that they put under a huge pressure and heat, and it hardens it that way. So you know that yeah. in olden times before before spears, they used to take and make a point in a stick and then uh, right. harden it in the fire. Right. So you drive the water out of it and such, but you know, I, this has got to be kind of a a little bit more involved process. It sounds like. Right. 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 Uh, so, uh, actually, it's funny because there's like a whole new bunch of knife designers that floating around the around the internet and Facebook. Okay. That are that are uh, 
a lot of them are are new new nouveau survival people i guess <laughs> you could call them i don't know i thought that was like over in like 2012 ish time frame uh you know what it's like a revolution just a big circle okay everything comes around again it comes around again uh it's kind of funny so i got i've got a couple new new things that are kind of neat okay i got a Gransforth brooks tomahawk oh that looks sharp i didn't know they made one aha uh-huh. this is probably like i mean I, I hate to say uh holy grail but i think these are extremely rare uh i missed one um a few years ago i was with a, a friend that we lost recently and we were at uh smoky mountain knife works mm-hmm. and he saw it and he bought it nice. I, I didn't even get a chance to i mean he had it in his hand so fast that would have made your head spin yeah and uh and I've all I have always wanted one, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I came across this, and I bought it up, and I got a pretty good deal on it, I think. But um, it's razor sharp, and it is very cool, extremely cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so cool I can't stand it. And uh, it's going to be I probably will never get rid of this, and I, I don't know what I'll ever use it for. Gene and I used to laugh about his all the time. Oh, because, yeah, yeah. It was it was Gene's? It was Gene Boy. Uh, this yeah. was not Gene's, but Gene was the one that I'm talking about. It's on, uh, yeah, it's on Grand Force uh, website. Um, oh yeah. But it's 420 euros, and they you'd have to buy it directly from them, and it has to go to Germany, Sweden, Finland, France, or Denmark. So I guess it's a good thing that I've got a friend in Germany. Who yeah. could forward that my way? But that that does look cool. It, the it's did you just you say four hundred euros? Four hundred and twenty euros. So that's that's like nine hundred bucks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't really have I a think use that for one, but you, it, well, that was the thing that that we were always laughing about was it's really not a handy tool. No. I mean, I mean, there's a it's about the size of. Um, I've got a uh, um, council tool. Um, what the hell is that? It's like a it's like a twenty inch, like a junior hatchet mm-hmm. or ju- a junior axe, mm-hmm. um, velvet cut. I can't think. It's a. Anyways, it's the it's the traditional design, and it's not that much bigger than this. Yeah, and it's got you know it's way better. It's more, way more useful. But yeah. I got, but the one thing I did get that was uh, another thing I did get recently that's kind of a bizarre, is the double bitted saddle axe. Yeah, I saw that. That thing is badass. <laughs> I had to figure out what to do with it. It looks like a zombie. Uh, it looks like a zombie, like a end of the world apocalypse type tool, because it's got a full size double bit axe head, and a. And about a twenty-inch handle. <laughs> well, it's not. It's not. I don't remember it being full size. I would say half sized, the head oh. on it. Oh, I don't. It's the size of a. Yeah, I guess I didn't see it right. It's then. bigger. It's heavy though. It's bigger than. Uh, it is bigger than like my 
marbles one that I have, or the I have one of the Condor Tool double bitted axes. Yeah, it's that that is like a truck axe that I had. In fact, some of them, I think you've seen those before. Yeah, I have. It's bigger than that, but the handle's shorter. Okay. And it literally yeah. is like a full size double bitted axe that they cut the handle off at twenty inches. Jeez. Only it's it's the the handle was made for that size. That's, for your, that's what it feels like. That's for like. your it's, saddle. That's what yeah, that's exactly. for. I have to carry that on the bike. Yeah, the um, the closest thing I have to a tomahawk is that uh, cold steel trail hawk. Yeah, I've got that somewhere, but I I bought it and I I've literally used it a couple times, but it's just not a useful tool for me. I've got I've got a handful of uh, tomahawks. I've got those cold steel. Uh, well, the, is the trail hawk one with a hammer on the back side of it? Yeah. Okay, so I have a couple of those. I left at a friend of mine's house because he had a a, a, a knife throwing thing in his backyard. Yeah, I built one of those. And uh, and I left him the those hawks to throw to play with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have actually uh, a Columbia River knife and tool tomahawks. I have two of those. Okay. Um, I have a spike on one, and the other one is uh, it's on the other one. A little, I guess, a little hammer ball on the other one. Okay, but and they're fun to throw. Uh, yeah, but I still like throwing the double. And that's kind of like the latest thing now. I mean, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's all these axe throwing places all over the place. Yeah, I haven't seen that. We were yeah, doing that before it was cool. We we're the ultimate woods hipsters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I you know literally been doing that since I was a little kid. Yeah. You know, my dad said never throw a knife. Well, it's like darts, you know. Never throw a knife, you know, because it's you can break it, you know, because I didn't have any throwing knives. He said, but if you want to throw something, learn how to throw your double-bitted axe. Yeah. (laughs) We laughed. You know, and I was just a little kid. Yeah. And and then I – but I started, and I got pretty good at it. Yeah. I got pretty good at it. Then knife throwing isn't all it's cracked up to be. I made a set – and played around with those. I made one of those uh, knife throwing targets, you know, where you just yep. cut up a four by four a whole bunch of times and you glue them all together and then right. it's an end grain end. And I used to have fun with that. Um, but I, I never got really good at it. It's, yeah, it's a whole thing. Well, the, the knife throwing thing is, is th- there's a lot to it because you have to have your right distance but you have to have something that's balanced correctly too. Yeah, and that's that, that spins that, right, and that's where the trick is. And for some reason, a double bit of axe—it's perfect—has that built into it. So you can go off the rack by a double bit of axe, and take your proper steps, and you'll make it stick into something. Yeah, we we did that at that Great Lakes Island bug out for a bit. Yep. Yeah, th- yep. Th- that's way easier, in my opinion, to throw that than it is. Uh, uh, throwing even, knife. even throwing tomahawks is not as easy as it looks. Yeah, you know, it takes some skill to do that. It's not like on the Patriot, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So exactly. speaking of TV, and this is going to lead into a whole bunch of other stuff, including a new Perry Mason knife detective, which Woo! which has not been a feature on the podcast in a couple of years. But I have, have one. you. And have I you, have the answer to it too. Have you? Um, did Did you see the new series that's running around? There, everybody's talking about it on Facebook. Something about the. I can't even think of the name. Oh, it's the it's, it's the, the Korean, Korean one. This Korean yeah, story. I haven't seen it. Um, I have something better to talk about. What What was that show called? 
uh, I can't remember, um, but it's basically that uh, they have a bunch of adults that are forced to play kids games and if you lose you die type of thing yep. squid yep, games squid exactly. games yep. squid games yep. is what that's squid called games. i haven't seen it maybe i'll give it a watch but I, i'm kind of stuck on some other stuff right now so yesterday uh my wife and i finished yellowstone oh and third season it, yeah it is glorious that that show <laughs> okay so I'll start with some criticisms of the show. I thought it was hokey, and I thought a lot of the stuff they were doing was trying to be dramatic just for the sake of being dramatic. Right. Um, so ignoring that stuff, if you put that stuff aside, it's actually really freaking cool if you're into the outdoors and knives and guns and stuff. And What, what did you think about the, um, about the brother-sister rivalry? And the reason for it. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it because a lot of people probably haven't seen that yet. So, right. I I was from the for the first two and a half seasons of the thing. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Why does she right. hate him so much? And then, and like, then when you find out, you're, you're like, like oh, oh. oh, that's why. <laughs> that's a good reason. <laughs> yeah. But, but anyway, um, uh, so I like it. Uh, and I, I this this is going to be a huge topic because I've like, I've. I've done a bunch of shit because of that show. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I didn't even watch it until I went out to the grand Tetons and a, a few weeks ago, I went out there to hike up uh, way the hell back into the Tetons to a place called Lake solitude, because I had something important I was supposed to do up there. Yeah. Uh, and I did it. And then I hiked out and it was, it was fucking brutal. I run half marathons. And after the first day, I felt like I ran a half marathon and then I had to turn around and do it again. And I was beat up. Um, but so I didn't even start watching Yellowstone till I went out there and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm real close to Yellowstone here. Um, maybe I should watch that show. Uh, the, anyway, so I started watching that and Jim is holding up a lever action. Why don't you tell us about that one? I'm just going to go like this. Nothing sounds that good. <laughs> that that looks like that was a, it. 1895 or 1894. Or yeah, a, it's a model. I got a model. I got a 92 also. Hang on a second. That's cool. Oh, that's nice. The the oh, so it's got the really huge uh, lever on it. Yeah, listen to this. Yeah, it's got different hammers on it too, right? It's got a different nope, same. Huh. Yeah, it's the same hammer. Nice. Well, so anyway, yep. those are my 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 criticism of Yellowstone is that it's a bit hokey, but um if if you're at all into the outdoors and outdoor scenery and westerns and that sort of thing, you'll very quickly move beyond that stuff and not I was so thinking much. I was actually thinking that the new uh season was supposed to be out it is no november 7th it's coming out but it's on paramount plus yeah i don't know what that is but i'm sure you'll be i don't either you know i i eventually i use i have youtube tv Mm -hmm. and i and i recorded it on that okay but i was surprised that i got it to be honest i Um, just bought it on amazon 
So I Oh, did you? That's yeah, probably better. Yeah, I just have Amazon Prime and I just bought seasons 1 through 3 on there. I I don't have time to be pirating shit. <laughs> it's like too much effort for me. Yeah. Um but yep. the uh so anyway, so uh well, let's let's do uh uh, we got yeah we got a pause he there must be somebody at your Actually, door yeah i gotta okay let me uh let's take a quick break and then we'll do Perry i'm gonna Mason. get a get a uh oh, it's really loud i got these big earmuffs on all right we're back all right i did not shut it off so yeah my me neither it's still going so i'm looking for one uh, a series that i watched um and it was about a sheriff out west Oh, was it uh, Longmire? Longmire. There you go. Yeah, I, I, I think I watched a little of it and I, I lost interest. But yeah, that's another one that was kind of on the lame-o side. Yeah. As far as the law and who's in charge of what, and you know, they were they tried to. I think you know it's, it's interesting when you see us, and maybe we shouldn't be sidetracked by stuff like this, but but I get sidetracked. Okay. When you have something that's like in the story plot that it makes the story happen, but in real life it can't be like that. Yeah. Like for example, the sheriff of a county does not answer to any city authority. Yeah. And that dates back to way back when. Yeah. Um, and uh they they did that out there in the in Longmire. There was a couple episodes where the sheriff was answering to somebody else. Yeah. And the sheriff is an elected official and ha is the highest executive in a county. Yeah. Or a parish. Uh, it's very fascinating. <clears throat> but anyway, so Longmire did that. And um, I didn't care for that so much. And then the ending kind of sucked too. I well, didn't care for the ending. Yeah. So the thing with. Um... Another fairly unrealistic thing about Yellowstone is they immediately go to fisticuffs over oh, anything, yeah. like yeah. right in public, like, and that's just not going to happen. And right. and they can't say, oh, it happens out west. Well, I was just out west, and I went into small assed small towns because actually I think I might buy a plot of land out there to put oh. a little cabin on. So I went around. Uh, you know, to the small towns, I went into the bars, uh, you know, asking about stuff and the, the people were all friendly, you know, and there was no, it, it, there's no possibility you're going to get in a fist fight with somebody because it'll immediately go to a gun. Right. You know, it's like Jim said years ago, um, I would, 10 years ago, you said that, and now I'm the same age you were when you told me this and that's <laughs> that. You know, I don't get in fights, um, and if, if 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 it comes to that, I'll pull their ear off. You know, yep. and so like, yeah. I'm the same age, and I just don't have time for that shit. You know, I'm just not gonna put up with it. Um, the uh, I'll. Well, it's not fun anymore. No, it's it's not fun, and I'm not. If I'm in a fight, it's not because I picked it, and I'm not fighting for honor. I'm right. fighting to survive and I'll right. fucking kill you. you well, know, I had it's... to laugh. I read something the other day that I got a big kick out of and it was, um, never pick a fight with an old man because if you win, eh, you beat up an old man. If you lose, eh, 
you got beat up by an old man. Well, and it, it, it in, in my case, you know, so the other thing that happened, I forgot to say, is that one morning in January, I woke up and my I had extreme pain in my arm and my hand went numb. And a few days later, I had to get a disc replaced in my neck. Um, it was like Rooster. No, what movie was that? John Wayne had that happen to him. Well, he it, was a, he was a gunfighter. Yeah, well, this El Dorado. Right, the exact same thing happened to me, and it happened to my uncle and to my grandfather almost to the day at the exact same age, same disc. And wow. so I guess I should have expected it was coming, but it, I, I just am not playing around anymore. You know, I'm not going to get. I'm not going to take a chance that I'm going to get an injury. And like, if, if there's going to be fisticuffs, like I'm going to have a weapon, right. you know, I, because I didn't pick the fight. And for me, it's going to be self-defense and I'm going to defend myself. Um, and I'm, I, I don't care about fighting fair. And <laughs> I didn't understand that 10 years ago, but I sure as hell do now. Uh, anyway, let's, let's uh, get to the, it's funny how that plays out. <laughs> yeah. Well, Let's get to the Perry Mason Knife Detective. So shoot, this is from Yellowstone. All right. So, and I'll, I, I'll pose this question to Jim and see if he knows. I, I already spent a whole many hours figuring this out. Okay. There's a knife that John Dutton always wears on his hip that uh, Casey in the scene where his mom died also defended himself with that exact knife from wolves. What knife is it? Ah. It's in a okay. So here's here's a clue. It's I don't I yeah. You got to remember now. It's been about it, yeah. It's been two years since I saw right. that. Well, show. so anyway, so to, to kind of lead things That's along, it's a it's a very common knife that comes with uh, a leather sheath that people was wear there, on their belt. Was it an old timer? No. It's it's a folding knife, lock blade. Oh, it's a buck, buck one ten. Oh, that's what I thought. Uh, that's no, a puma. No, it's a buck, um, and it's one twelve. It's the one twelve. It's, it's smaller. It's smaller. One twelve is smaller. That's right. Yeah, one ten is bigger. Yeah, so it's a it. Both of those knives were buck one twelves. Um, at least from ah. I. I mean, I freeze framed it. I looked at you know Buck's when I was catalog, when I, I was I went young. Crazy with it. When I was young, I carried a buck 110 um, for a long time. Actually, in high all through high school, I carried a buck 110 on my belt. And uh, I, in college, I broke that knife prying on something. It happens. And I, and I don't even remember what it was, but it, I still have it. I still, I still have the freaking knife broken half. 
should send it to Buck and see if they'll fix it. Oh, they just put a new blade on it. And, uh, yeah. um, but after that, I kind of was soured on that knife and I started carrying Schrade knives. Yeah. And cause Schrade makes a knife that's exactly the same as that, as a 110. Mm-hmm. And it was their, I don't even know what their, they call their steel time, Schrade Plus or something like that. But it was, it was probably that Sharon Steel uh, stuff that everybody was using back then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I had multiples of those. And then I've got a, a Puma floating around here somewhere that's literally, again, the same knife. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that they're different. The blade shape is a little bit different, mm-hmm. but the profile is almost identical. Mm-hmm. That's pretty funny. The, but no, those were those were great knives. I mean, that that back in the day, that was the knife to have. Yeah, I still have. I mean, and I'm talking not just in the 70s, but in the 60s. That was a big popular knife in the in yeah, Vietnam. Yeah, it, it's perfect for deer hunting, for yep. cleaning deer and stuff. I yep. I mean, I most of the guys I hunt with either carry that or some Gerber made version of it. Um, the Schrade knife that I like is the Sharp Finger. Yeah. Um, and I have, you're going to be jealous. I have a 110 automatic left-handed that one, that one of our listeners sent me. Nice. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't remember what I did for him, but that was like a princely gift. Oh yeah. Um, I've got a, uh, I've got to send my left-handed Savenza back. I bent the clip and I, and the screw is buggered up on it. Oh, it stripped it. Yep. Yeah, so my my left-handed Sabenza is still missing. It still has not shown up. <laughs> nope. After now two moves, I think did it's you, gone. Did you look in your truck? Yeah. Down down the vent in the the I haven't in front. Yet. In, yeah, I I so, never put a knife on a dash though. I mean, it it could be in there somewhere. I the truck isn't going anywhere, but um uh, so I'm not worried about that. But I'm that. curious about I'm curious about that. It's some it's got to be somewhere because I had it with me in the truck, right? Because I I had a Benchmade 940 at the time, uh, and I also had that I had that Sabenza in my pocket and a the 940 in a bag in the truck, and this tow truck driver it was on Memorial Day, uh, the truck broke down uh, oh, by you the know what? by the Cabela's. I'm gonna tell you what happened to that. What? Did you give the the other one to the I gave the 940 driver? to him and I kept the Sabenza for me. You should call that guy because I I I will almost bet I know what happened. What? You got in his front seat of his truck, didn't you? Uh yeah, I did. You're in the passenger side, right? Yeah. And you put your seatbelt on, right? Yeah. And when you when you're left-handed and you're on the passenger side, and you put your seatbelt on. Yeah, it got pulled. If you're out. not careful, it pulls out when you get out of the truck, and you don't notice it. Well, he probably doesn't even work there anymore. And if, if he got that knife too, then more power to him. Because I mean, they, I'm not saying that he did. No, but 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 that's a real possibility. Yeah, because that happens. Well, I mean, it's I anyway. So it's been missing since then. But I, I don't. If if he has it, I certainly don't begrudge him. Um, but anyway, back to Yellowstone. Uh, Dodge no. must have made a hell of a deal with you. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. Yeah, too. like literally every truck in Duke! there. Come here. 
That's what I thought too. Yeah, literally was, every truck in there is a, either a Dodge twenty five hundred or a Dodge thirty five hundred. Uh, and then there's some cars. I think the girl drives a Mercedes and then some right. people drive some other stuff, but almost every vehicle shown in that thing is a big ass Dodge pickup. Right. Well, right. so everybody knows that I bought my current car, um, the STI, because I was playing a video game that had it. Well, I just uh. ordered a truck because I, I was watching Yellowstone and I liked the look of it. So I ordered a a Ram 2500 with the diesel in it and the so, off-road package. So you're going to you're you're going to find this fascinating. I did. We drove downstate last last weekend uh-huh. and drove back up. And around Flint there were acres and acres and acres of Chevy pickup trucks. Yeah. Acres. I'm talking farmers' fields. Yeah, full of them. There probably was ten thousand pickup trucks lined up like row crops in that field. Yeah, and I think it's because oh wait, a chip shortage. Yeah, because somehow or another we're getting them from China. Yeah, and 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 if you go to Kentucky, you'll see the same story yeah. with Ford. Well, those are those are twenty twenty ones. So I ordered a 2022, and she's the lady I bought it from. Everybody's gonna laugh. I gotta give her a shout out. This is uh, Vicksburg Chrysler uh, Jeep Ram uh, dealer in Vicksburg, Michigan. Her name is Melling Melanie Farrington, and I walked in there, and she said, "Is somebody helping you?" And I'm like, "No," and she's like, "Well, what do you want?" And I said, I want to order a pickup. And she's like, okay, we'll sit down. And she had a fucking hawk on her desk, like a live squawking, wing beating, shitting all over the place hawk on her desk. And, uh, but, and uh, it's because she's a falconer and this is a, it wasn't a, um, there's like, there's, it's not a red tail hawk. It's a smaller hawk. Um, the ones we have up here are Cooper's hawk, but it's the southern version of it. And some some workman workman was at her house who's afraid of birds, so she had to bring him to work in like his little hawk box or whatever. Um, but anyway, I ordered it from her. If you if you want a really interesting car buying experience, it's Melanie Farrington at Vicksburg uh, Chrysler Plymouth Dodge blah blah blah. Uh, but anyway, so I ordered it from her. I thought that was awesome. Um, let's see. Happy National Mule Day. I saw that today. What's up with that? Oh, it's I, I was looking because I rode with the I, I don't really officially start work until tomorrow. So I rode with the kids to school and uh-huh. I was looking on my phone uh, to see what, you know, it's National Something Day every single day. Right. And today is National Tennessee Day, National uh, Mincemeat Day, National Mule Day, and National Pumpkin Day. So the huh. one that interested me the most was National Mule Day. So I said, well, happy National Mule Day, girls. And they all went crazy. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, here's... I kind of I chuckled that, that picture that you posted on Facebook 
your your one daughter looked like she was none too happy. Yeah, if you catch them at the wrong <laughs> moment, they look a little angsty. But no, we had a good time. Uh, we went to in uh, Portage, Michigan. We went to Buddy's Pizza, which is a Detroit style pizza chain. Yep. They do yep. a pretty damn good job, I gotta say. I mean, yep. I was I was impressed with the pizza, and I got yep. their so so I tried uh, now. I grew up down there, so yeah. I have a. I'm kind of tainted to the palate. Yeah. For for Detroit pizza, so Pizza Hut came out with theirs. Yeah. Their version, and it was that's exactly my response to it. Was yeah, it's not so good. Well, it's not gonna be. Um, but and and uh, I didn't care for it so much. Uh, but actually, what's kind of interesting is Jets Pizza. They do a good is, one. Is a is a, a Detroit style pizza, and I don't think they ever got kind of recognition for that. But well, they make a they make a, a traditional thin crust pie, but they also make uh right. they also make the and yeah they do a good one. Yep. Um, yep. And if people don't now, know, we just got we just picked up a frozen pizza. Yeah. Detroit style pizza, mm-hmm. and it was uh, Motor City Pizza. Yeah, I think I've, is the I've name had of that company. one too. Is it good? It's. For it's a frozen a, pizza? for a frozen pizza. It's good. It's it's not going to be like you got a fresh made Detroit style pizza from right. a pizza place, right? Um, but it's it's decent. It'll it'll scratch the edge. So if people don't know what Detroit style pizza is, it's usually a square or rectangle pizza, and um, you put a bunch of oil in the pan, and it's a very very high hydration dough, almost like a focaccia, and then you put the dough in the thing and spread it out real well and then you put a special type of cheese on there that's called brick cheese and brick cheese is like mozzarella but it's from wisconsin um is the best way to describe it and it's not mozzarella and then you have your (laughs) toppings and then there's usually three stripes of sauce on top of everything uh and no sauce sometimes and sometimes they don't put the sauce on and bake it yeah. Some some places will not put the sauce on until after it's out of the oven. Yeah, it, 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 it it's a, depends. It's a cooked sauce that they pour on the top of it. So the, some of them bake it. Some of them bake it. Yeah, but so, a lot of them don't. So if you're in New York, um, something you might try to get would be a Sicilian pizza. And it's kind of the same idea, except that Detroit-style pizza uses brick cheese. And also the, the classic three-stripe is... Uh, it's the only place I know that does it that way. Right. Um, if you if you can't get anything like that, the closest thing I've ever had at a chain was back in the '80s when Pizza Hut made those pan pizzas. Right. Um, but it's not as good. It's it's right. it, it, a Detroit pizza is its own thing, and right. it deserves and, its and, own. And everybody, and to be honest, all of these different areas have different styles of pizza, and I defy anybody to say one is better than the other. I like them all. I like them all, and yeah. and for the people that are saying, "Well, that's not a New York style pizza," well, I think, well, you know what, you're an idiot, because you're de- you're de- you're denying yourself some serious enjoyment by not eating another style of pizza. Yeah, regional pizzas and stuff. It's it's the yep. same thing with regional burgers. You know, yep. like every place has their own take on a burger, and try the one for the locals. So I have two burgers. I want our listeners to give some thought to. Okay. One is from San Antonio and it's called the bean burger and it's a hamburger, you know, beef hamburger, but it's got, uh, refried beans. <laughs> so right there you have me and usually like sliced 
pickled jalapenos and cheese melted over it. And uh, on top of the cheese, sometimes they'll put Fritos. So that's a regional burger that's only I've only ever seen in San Antonio, and I was just there. Okay, another one, and this is actually one of my favorite burgers of all times, is from Pueblo, Colorado, and it's called a Slopper. Okay, you take your hamburger bun and you open it up and you lay it face up, face up on the plate, and you put two hamburger patties, and then you dump a whole shitload of green chili over the top. So green chili is made with green chilies that you roast and then puree and then cook with pork, onion, and like diced tomato to make a chili sauce. Uh, You know, and you have to season it and spice it and all that and make sure the salt is good. But that's called a slopper. And that's from the Coors Tavern in Pueblo, Colorado. And that's, it's honestly, it's one of my favorite all-time burgers is a slopper. Um so, you know, you should you should try to keep an open mind with this stuff. Um, you might have your favorites from where you grew up, but, you know, uh, other stuff is good, too. Yeah. Okay, yep, I, have, I, I have... Jim and I had a, a discussion over text yesterday about um, handgun rounds, okay? And so I was... I recently got my concealed carry back, and I, I like the um, Smith & Wesson airweight uh, J-frame in 38 Special. I, I just love that because it disappears and it's like it's not there. Um, but then I was, everybody, the, the terminal performance and the velocity, everything about a 9mm beats the shit out of a 38 Special. But then if you put a 38 special round next to a 9mm round, it's the same exact bullet weight, only the case on the 38 special is one and a half times as long. It's like there's another half of a 9mm shell on there, so there's way more powder. So you can do a plus P round. I have that. That, yeah. that is a little bit more... But it, I, I still don't think it's a, it, it compares to the 9mm. Right. Um. And so I was asking Jim, like, why the hell, how, how is that even fucking possible? If you have the same exact weight of bullet pushed by more powder, how is it possible that the, the one with less powder is better? And tell him what your explanation was, because I well, agree with it's, this. It, it's a cylinder gap. Yeah. And, and the other thing, too, and I forgot to tell you this, too, it's the barrel length makes a difference, too. But because I could most put any nine, length of barrel on it, and it would still not do what a nine millimeter would do. Uh, I could put it like a foot long barrel on a revolver, and it well, still yeah, wouldn't. But because do, you do, I think you do lose a lot at the gap, the cylinder gap, yeah. where the bullet makes the jump. Because that is, uh, that can't be that close a tolerance. That as it'll, it'll never be like a solid barrel, like a like a semi-automatic. No. And I and I think that that's the that's the main reason for it, mm-hmm. um, because of, because basically an automatic has a solid barrel. Yeah. There's no there's no cylinder gap. You're you're putting the round right up against the the lands, and there's no uh, there's no there's no pressure loss. Yeah, there would be pressure loss because there's a a little bit less than a millimeter gap. Even in a very well made revolver, there's a little bit right. less than a millimeter yeah. gap. Um, that gases can escape from right so that makes sense to me and then so that led that led me to do some more digging and did you know 
and this is astonishing to me, but in a lever action rifle, 44 mag and 3030 are basically indistinguishable with maybe right. a slight edge to the 44 mag. I have no fucking clue how that's possible. Well, what, what you're, what you're depends on what you're measuring. Uh, muzzle energy at a um, hundred yards. Okay. So muzzle energy or not muzzle energy. About... I'm sorry. Energy bullet energy at a hundred yards. So you so with a, without looking at a book, comparing the two of them, um, you've got a 30, you've in a 44 Magnum, you've got a, usually a 240 grain bullet. Yeah. And a bullet weight on a 30, 30 is 130 mm-hmm. or 150. Mm-hmm. So, so the weight of the bullet contributes a lot to the energy and, and the, in the energy equation, Yeah, the weight of the bullet is, a, is, is big. Uh, so if you have a heavier bullet, you're going to get higher energy. Yeah. It, it, but the thing is, is yes to a point, um, except that in that, in, that, um, in that equation, it's mass times velocity squared. Right. So if you have a faster bullet, it's disproportionately more energy. Um, but I, the mass must somehow, well, for the, that particular the... thing, but, but that... But the 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 freaking well, the, uh, what, what the thirty is the, thirty what is, is the... twenty four hundred feet per second coming out of the barrel, right? And 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 a forty four magnum is what nineteen hundred. I'll look it up here. I I don't know. Um, I don't have my books in front of me, but yeah. But you know, I. But there's again, we're back into the situation. There's way more powder in a in a thirty thirty round than there is in forty four. Um, right. Muzzle velocity. 44 mag lever action. Okay, let's see what they say. When fired from a, it's 1760 feet per second. Right. Um, but okay, from so a, that from an 18 inch barrel. Yeah. So, and the the a no, that's from a 20 inch. Um, from 20 inch barrel. From a, uh, so the 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 30 30 comes out of there at about 2300. I, I would think that I, I think it probably at, at ranges like I mean you're not going to try a lever action shot much past 150 yards because the, well, no, the drop and that's, and is that's pretty the, significant. And listen, the the 44 Magnum past 100 yards is not the most effective round to either. No, but because most most 44 Magnums like I've got a single shot 44 Magnum that I've killed deer with at 100 yards. But it likes it much closer. Yeah, yeah, and you that's know, the same thing. I mean, I, I've killed a shitload of uh, of deer with my cold anaconda mm-hmm. and and wild boars and stuff. It'll kill the hell out of a deer. But you know, I was just I was like awed that a yeah. rifle that that forty four mag round would be anywhere even close to what a rifle round would do. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and see the the thing is too is the forty four magnum round. You can hunt downstate with it. Yeah, I might have to a get straight another wall, straight wall cartridge. I might. Well, you can. I have the. I have a forty-five seventy, Actually, but they probably wouldn't let me hunt with that down here. That's a straight wall cartridge. It is, but maybe it's too much gun. I don't know. I think, I'd have to I look think it you up. can hunt with that down there. I'd have to look it up. But so anyway, I bought a. In the last month or so, I've, 
I still, I got to call that gun shop and see where it's at. But I bought, when I was in San Antonio, I bought a Henry Wildlife Edition uh, 4570. And then I picked up from a relative a uh, Winchester 94 that's about 30 years old um, in 3030 that has never been fired because he went deer mm -hmm. hunting and never saw a deer. And then I didn't ask, but apparently he didn't try to sight it in either. <laughs> 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 Which I don't know. I'm not gonna shoot a gun. I'm not gonna take a gun hunting until I've shot at least twenty rounds through it to make right. to see what it does, you know right. how the sights work. And um, but anyway, so I'll have to I'll have to see. I wouldn't mind a forty four mag now that I know it's about the same as a thirty thirty. But I, yeah. I before I do any of that, I want to get a deer with that thirty thirty. Yeah. So uh, I had kind of an interesting. I wouldn't say that it's an epiphany, but so last year I got a crossbow. <laughs> um, I got a Raptor reverse buck commander, something or other. I'm not a, not a, a big bow guy. Yeah. And I got it in trade. That guy owed me some money. And uh, so I shot it a couple times last year, mm -hmm. you know, just at a target. And I was like, wow, this thing is pretty damn accurate. I mean, like really accurate, 40, 50 yards. I hit, I broke a practice arrow hitting it with the other arrow, with oh, another arrow. Jeez. Um, so she's pretty, pretty accurate. So this year I thought, well, you know, October 1st, I'm going to buy a deer license and, and go deer hunting. So the push, you know, things get pushed off. I haven't, you know, had, haven't had a chance to go hunting yet. It's been warm. Um, had a funerals to go to. You know, a couple things like that going on. And I finally got around to getting broadheads for the for the arrows. Mm -hmm. I blew my mind how many different styles of broadheads there are for hunting. Yeah. I I mean, I killed my last year with a bow in like 1985. Yeah. Well, and you could get like this style or that style. Yeah, back then it was Easton... <laughs> Air, Eastern aluminum arrows and like yeah. one or two styles of broadheads. Yeah, yeah. not not anything, and and they weren't like mechanical, no switchblade type. T no, type it things. was all always deployed. Yeah, it was a uh, it was they were fixed, you know, fixed cutting edges. Yeah. Well, n people, if you have not had a chance to look in an archery aisle lately, you should go take a gander. I mean, we're talking about. Literally, they look like there must be like switchblades that open up inside a deer when they go through it. When they're going through it, the impact, I guess, makes yeah, them unfold. It, it, yeah, it, it, the point gets hit and then it extends the blades. It's, and I, and I was I was like, how do you know what? You know, I've always believed that any well placed shot. I mean, I've killed a lot of deer with with uh, um, with a rifle round that was not made for shooting deer. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a, a boat tail hollow point, which is a like match bullets, like you're shooting paper targets. Yeah, it, if you hit what you're aiming at, you're going to be fine. All that, right? It's you know, it's like it's like you're fudge proofing the, your shot so that so that when you make a really shitty shot, well, the bullet expansion might clip something else on the way by. Yeah, because you've you've totally buggered up your shot, and uh, and so I was I was just actually surprised at that. I did, I did get one part of it, which was apparently 
it's a little more accurate at a little further distance. Yeah, because you don't have the wind resistance of having the fins out. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that was that was an, an amazing I, I, I was just shocked. So I stood there for my my wife was like, Well go ask somebody. I'm like who am I going to – all those guys want to do is just sell stuff. They don't care what it is that, that we're buying, that I'm buying. They just want to sell something. So, you know, I'm going to get this guy's opinion, who I have no idea who he is, you know. And so I ended up I ended up buying some today. And a guy walked by and asked me about it if I needed help. And I kind of chuckled, and I was like, who knew that there was this many choices? And he said, you know what I do? And he says, I, I kill deer every year. He says, I buy the cheapest ones I can get. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> yeah, it's literally all you need because you're going to shoot that thing one time and it's going to break. Yeah. You know? He says, I buy the cheapest ones I can get. He said, and it's, so it's not a big deal. He said, as long as you hit what you're aiming at, you're all right. Yeah. So I ended up with that. So it's not, I mean, I, I can't see what the big advantage might be, like I said, unless you're relying on that to make, to make up for your inability to shoot well well yeah i don't know yeah i don't know like you know it's like with the rifle rounds um the, the remington core locked bullet was developed in like the 1930s right and it's still like gold standard you know right. it's still i i can't tell you how many fucking animals i've killed with that core core locked bullet yep. and when i went and bought ammo for my 3030 that's what i bought i bought the yep. remington core locked because it's it's i mean i'm gonna hit it and it's gonna fuck it up like you know right. you don't have to have something that explodes on impact or something you know it's i don't know i think a lot of that is probably just advertising to hunters it's like fishing lures they're more to well, catch the fishermen all these new calibers too yeah there's some you crazy know, stuff out there and and i'm like you know, I hunted with a with a thirty out six for a lot of years. Yeah. And made eight, nine hundred yard shots with a thirty out six. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, it's meant uh, for that. Yep. So I don't know. Yeah, anyway. I, I need to I need to buy one. I, I don't have a thirty out six. I borrowed well, I, one for I, I a don't while. Even, but... I don't know if I'd buy one of thirty out six today. If I would, I think I'd I'd go with a three oh eight or a seven six two. Uh three oh eight. Because the is... ballistics no. ballistics are very similar. Except that the thirty out six is, I, I this is another thing I spent a lot of time. Well, it's researching. got more room. It's, it's got more room yeah. to pump it up if you're reloading. Well, and yeah, I mean, but even if you buy, like, if I buy the Remington Core Locked thirty out six versus a three oh eight, like, it's the thirty out six is way flatter for farther and carries more energy. I mean, like, really? Yeah, it's still. It's still a better round, but the 308 was adopted because it, you know, everybody bought it, and it's the reason it's that people say it's a very accurate and good round, is because they'll actually practice with it, because yeah. it doesn't beat you up as bad as like a, if you shoot a dozen rounds through a 30 out six, the next day you're gonna know it, <laughs> you know. So people just don't practice with them as much. The 308 beats you up less, and you're more likely to shoot it. Yeah. You know, and that's so when I when I bought ammo for the forty five seventy, I bought the original ammo. I bought um, pressure reduced rounds because I know I'm I know I'm not going to shoot this lever revolution shit. That, right. Because it'll 
it I shot one round of that some years ago through a Marlin forty five seventy and about broke my damn arm. And it's not like I don't know how to hold a rifle. It's just it's that it's that hard of a kick. I mean, it's it's stupid, you know. And the brutal. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. The three hundred eight is a hell of a lot easier to practice with and get good with than if you started with a with a thirty um, six. You're just not right. going to shoot it as much because it's going to hurt you. Um, but. Anyway, so I think I would get a thirty out six. I, I mean, because that'll kill anything in right. North America just fine, right? You know. But uh, anyway, I've I've, uh, I've got some stew in the oven. That sounds exciting. Yeah, that stew that I made on that campout for you guys. Oh, nice. Yep. Yeah. The, yep. And then uh, we're having cornbread muffins. Um, I decided to. I usually make them homemade, but I decided to try. I was walking through the store with my wife, and I saw they had uh, the famous Dave's cornbread muffins. Oh, interesting! So I think I'm going to make those, and I'm and half of them I'm going to chuck some uh, cut up pickled jalapenos in there for a jalapeno cornbread for a little bit right. more spice. Other than that, I don't know much. I'm out of topics. Um. So we're in the end of October, mm -hmm. and we're talking about Thanksgiving. Yes. And uh, you guys are invited. Yep. I hope you're planning on coming. We, we are. It just depends on whether or not I'm on call. Okay. Well, figure that out. Yep. Because I'm, cause I'm, uh, I got to go hunting turkeys. Yeah. I'll, I'll know in the next few days. Okay. And I'll make... Uh, so th this is another famous uh, story. So uh, we, when I lived in Michigan, pretty much every year we went up and ate Thanksgiving <laughs> at Jim's. And the first year we went up there, Jim whips out this jarred gravy. And I'm like, no, dude, sorry. He's like, yeah, but you don't know how to make gravy. And I'm like, oh, I know how to make gravy. I'll make the hell out of gravy. Yep. And because it's not, I mean, it's not super easy to get it nice and smooth and tasty and stuff. And, and, and to be, to make, to, in all fairness, I'm not a gravy guy. Well, I, you, you might not, not be, you right. might not. No, be. I'm just saying personally, I'm not a gravy guy. So the jarred stuff was fine. for me. Right. So, <laughs> but the last time I was up there, there yep. were, there were 20 people there and I knew that I knew that they liked gravy. So <laughs> I made two gallons of gravy <laughs> for 20 people. And yep. I thought, oh, this will be plenty. Um, everybody else, just go through the line, get what you want. I went through, all the fucking gravy was gone. Yep. Like so you got, you got to make more. Yeah. Here, so I have, uh, I have two secrets to the gravy. Uh, one is, you put your fat in the pan and you heat up the flour and stir the flour around until it's basically nice and smooth and there's no lumps, and then you slowly add your broth in. Uh, my other secret is uh, in in order for it to look right and make people just want to tear it up, I add a few drops of yellow food coloring. <laughs> and people just go absolutely crazy yep. with for that yellow yep. gravy like that. So we're, we're talking about um, two, maybe three turkeys, but probably two. But we're talking about deep frying one of them. Because yeah. I had never done that before. Oh, I'll help Have you, you tried that? Yeah, yeah. Um, what you got to do is go on YouTube, and uh, Alton Brown has a video on it. 
Uh-huh. And he goes overboard with um, safety and stuff, but um, but uh, that's a good place to start. Is Alton Brown's uh, turkey frying video? He has okay. like a ladder rigged up because because people burn their damn houses down. Uh, ah. Famous family story: My uncle and his friends went out to Colorado and rented a condo uh, to to go skiing, and of course. Um, being that he is of my bloodline, uh, some alcoholic beverages were consumed. <laughs> and they were maybe consumed in a little bit greater quantities than they should have been. Um, and uh, he, they decided they were going to fry a turkey. So they, they had this big pot and a big, you know, burner, propane burner. They put the oil in there and they heated it up. Only they did it in the garage. Ooh, and not a good idea. they dropped the turkey in the oil, and the oil bubbled over and got lit on fire by the still lit burner. Nice. And almost burnt the whole damn condo down. Uh, nice. And none of them had any eyebrows or hair on their arms when they came back. That's funny. But uh, the, the, the trick is when you're lowering the turkey in, do it nice and slow. And then um, have the have the flame turned off so that if there is an overflow, it's not going to catch fire. But if you do it, another thing I heard was that got people in trouble is they put a frozen turkey in there. Yeah, you you want it to be nice and thawed and very very dry. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I was going to take. I have some questions uh, from our listeners. Ah, okay. Um, So Ryan says. Let's hear about any new knives or gear you guys have on your radar. Um, Jim talked about his new axe. Um, Knife-wise, nothing for me, but uh, when I was doing my backpacking trip up into the Tetons, it's 2,600 vertical feet over eight miles, uh, and it's rough terrain. So I needed to minimize weight, and I have a new tent uh, that... You could fit two people in it, but it's extremely comfortable for one person, and it weighs 13 ounces. Wow. Uh, and it pitches with a single ski pole. You know, So if you hike with trekking poles, then that's perfect for you. And on super rough terrain, if you're carrying a pack, it's probably a lot safer for you, and especially if you're going to be crossing water, like right. running water, it's probably a lot safer for you to hike with trekking poles. So it's by a company called Z-Packs. Um, so that's my new gear. Um, I've also been looking into uh, tons and tons of uh, rehydrated backpacking food, and I have now five videos up on my YouTube channel about different things. So far, um, I'm real, real impressed with the Peak Refuel offerings that I've tried. Um, What's it, what is it, Peak Refuel? Yeah, so I have five videos up. I, okay. I have two, I think, from... Two or three from Mountain House and two, two or three from Peak Refuel. But um, the best thing I've had from from any of them so far is the Peak Refuel biscuits and gravy. Yeah. So I. Oh yeah. That was, that's good. I ate that when I walked as I was walking down. Um, this is I, I got to put this video together because it's fucking crazy. I I walked up to this lake, and then I stayed overnight up there but I was the only person on the mountain that night. 
And so right. I got up at six and I was walking back down and until 9.15 or so, I didn't see anyone. So I walked for three hours and 15 minutes in the mountains, Grand Tetons, alone. Uh, but Just you, you and that laundry guy. Laundry, who's that? Oh, that guy. Actually, that I, I was right by. I stayed at a. <laughs> so I, when I went out there, I was looking for a cheap place to stay, and I stayed on this dude ranch, for ninety bucks a night. Um, and I, I basically, I did mostly what I did was camping. So I just needed a place to store shit and a place to take a shower. So I rented there. But it, that dude ranch that I stayed in is like right, where that laundry dude was found. Um. But anyway, so uh, the best one I've had no, so they far. They found his girlfriend there. Yeah, that's what I meant. The yeah. the best thing I've had so far was uh, when I was walking down. I stopped at a place in the Tetons called Inspiration Point, and I had the Peak Refuel biscuits and gravy. It was as it was as good as if I made it from scratch that day. That's how wow. fucking good that stuff was. Yeah. Um, but but you got to remember, you're hiking. Yeah, I you're know. Camping, yes. The outdoors that. All that stuff adds, I, I tell you, a lot of times you can say, when you're in that position, you can almost honestly say, if you had a hot dog, and you're cooking it on the fire, and leftover mac and cheese, that tastes better than the steak you'd make at your house. Right, well, and, and I... Do... And, and there's something about, I mean, it's maybe it's not that dramatic, but there is something about eating food on the trail that... It's an enhancement to yeah. the flavors. Well, and I, I took that into account, and I mentioned that. I mentioned, well, look, uh, you know, I just hiked six miles through the mountains, and I'm fucking starving. And so, and also, look, I'm looking, I'm up in the mountains, looking over a huge lake. So obviously, right. take that into account. But all the other reviews I've done have been in the same circumstances. Yeah. So this one was just better. I mean, there it was legitimately better okay so that's question number one question number two comes from mark and there's a story behind this can you cover safe kitchen knife handling and he's got a smiley uh crying face and that you cut yourself no um someone he knows cut themselves and this is after i left um after i left the hospital and they went to the hospital looking for me and they didn't get me oh and uh, this Did person. Did they do that on purpose? No, it was an accident. Just she was to see you? she was cutting a turnip or something, and oh, that's a bugger. Cutting towards herself, and she got herself right in the in the crotch between two fingers, and it cut one Ow. of her digital ner- digital nerves. Ow. Apparently, using my uh, highly recommended and still in use today. Farber wear a kitchen knife from Target. <laughs> like, and he even mentioned that, like, that's where, that's why they bought it, and he keeps it like razor sharp. And uh, anyway, it, it, that was a bit tongue in cheek. Um, and another question comes to us from Germany. Um, he says, "I saw you're doing another Knife Journal podcast and want suggestions or questions. Well, I'd like your opinion on a good rescue knife for people in my line of work. He's a EMT. He works for the Knights of Malta in Europe. Ah, okay. uh, he's like a, a boss of their of his ambulance or whatever. Uh, you know, I have I've been really happy with uh, 
I think it's on my dive gear. It's I think it's a Spider Cold Rescue. I think it's a is it fully folding? serrated. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Is it a folding knife? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Good. Yeah. It's a it's a Spider Cold Rescue. I I believe that's what it is. It's a but it has a blunt tip on it. So and it's actually not just blunt, but it's really blunt. Yeah. Um, and it's got a uh, it's got a it's got the Spider Cold hole. But then it's also got a another thing above the, above the top of it. God, I think that's what it's called. <clears throat> and it's got a nice lock on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been I've had that on my BC now for probably ten years. Mm-hmm. And it is a it doesn't open by itself. It doesn't. Uh, I just want to make sure that it's called a spider coal rescue. Jim's furiously typing away there. A Google dot. Google that shit. Yeah, it's a spider coal rescue. All right. And apparently they make uh they make an assist rescue now too. Yeah, that um, that one might not be legal in Germany. <laughs> but but it but it has a it has a complete uh um it has a complete oh it's a lockback yeah it's a lockback it has a complete um blunt tip on it and it really really is nice for that um i don't know if you can see this yeah i see it yeah that's that's actually perfect that's exactly what he should carry i think yeah yep and and i i've like i said i've and it's got a completely serrated blade mm-hmm. so it's good in rope it's good in seat belts and clothing yeah, and, and, and it's you're not going to poke somebody with it Right. Exactly. So I, I think that's perfect. I think that's the suggestion we should go with. Yeah. Now you want to know what I what's in my car twenty four seven. Seatbelt ripper. No, Ethan Becker gave it to me. Uh, the BK three. Ah. It's basically in case you come along somebody and you can't get them out of the car, you can use it as a pry bar to pry the doors <laughs> open. Basically, is what it is, and and also it'll cut seat belts and stuff. But it's a big yeah. ass heavy fixed blade. It's not something you're gonna carry. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, so that's that's what I have in my car because every every once in a while you'll come along bad accidents, and yep. if you need to get somebody out of the car and the car door won't open, well, you can break the window and try to cut the seat belt. That's one way, or the other way. If that's not even possible, maybe you can pry the door open. Um, yeah. But it's that's what's in my car. Um, I I would like to carry one of those Stanley uh, wrecking bars. You know what I'm talking about? Those big, yep. Yep. big yep. ass Stanley wrecking bars. I know a guy yep. that has one of those. Um, yep. Uh, I should just go for a, a hooligan tool. Actually, it's called a halligan tool, but we used to call them hooligan tools. What's that? Google, Google what one of those looks Let like. Let me look it up real quick. <laughs> uh, let's see. It's like a wrecking bar on steroids. Yeah, um, Halligan tool. Yeah, okay, that's huge. Um, Stanley makes one of those. Um, Stanley, they make two versions of it. Uh, um, they make they make more than one version of it, um, but the. Uh, the really big one there's a there's a foobar three <laughs> fat max extreme that is just a beast i mean if you can't get something open with that they're they're not coming out 
Um, but yeah, the the Stanley, um, they, they also make a 36 inch wrecking bar. That one doesn't look as fun. I like the I like the one that looks. It's called the Fat Max. Yeah, it looks tight. Well, the the Hooligan tool is or Halligan tool is is very effective because it's got it's got like a couple different spots that you can pry with. Yeah, I see and that. A couple different ways that you can pry with, and then it's got that spike thing on there. Yeah, that you can that'll pierce into a door real easy. Yeah. You you can peel the skin off an airplane with that. Yeah, it's, it's handy. Yeah, there's one there's one that comes that also comes with an axe. Right. Yeah, they they fit together. Yeah, um, that one's the Leatherhead Tools Halligan axe. I I don't yeah. think I'd buy the one with the axe because I'm probably not going to use that. But um, Halligan, uh, a bunch of different companies make it. Oh yeah. The yeah. Um, Leatherhead Tools makes a, a good-looking one that's 380 bucks. But, I mean, if you're going to buy a big-ass piece of steel like that, you're going to pay some money. Oh, yeah. Um, and, they're, and they're usually stainless. Yeah, it looks tight. You know, they're usually some kind of stainless so that it doesn't rust. Yeah, I think once my truck gets delivered, I'm going to chuck one of those in the bed. Or maybe in the cab somewhere. They, they actually make clips for them. Oh, okay. Make, you know, put it in, in one of the clips and... Yeah, yeah, because that, cool. I mean, that, you, if you can't get somebody out of a car with that, they're not coming out. Yeah, um, the next step is the Jaws. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Um, jaws of life. Well, and the thing is, the only reason I would even tr try to mess with getting somebody out of a car is if, if it was on fire or about to be. Right. Otherwise, I'm just going to stay there and make sure they're not, if they're bleeding, I can stop it. You know, I'm not necessarily going to try to extract them. Um, but uh, that's all of our... Uh, well, there's a lot of stuff questions. that we have not talked about yet. Well, we'll do another episode this weekend. Yeah, because uh, you got the, what happened with Laundry and, and that young lady. Yeah. You've got... Because uh, they just found his remains. You've got uh, Alec Baldwin just shot the <laughs> shit out of some lady. <laughs> and... Uh, I guess her husband is a lawyer for the Russian hockey team. Yeah. So apparently he's, uh, you know, a lawyer and Russian. So oh, that's that, going to that, be good trouble. Luck, good luck with that whole thing. Well, there. Anyway, I don't want to go too far into it. I, let's let's wait a few days and see what happens with that. But I I love how they're trying to blame it on the prop person. Oh yeah. Anybody but Alec Baldwin. Um, oh yeah. But anyway, uh, I think we should call it. We shall call it. So um, I guess we're gonna we're gonna call it. Yeah. We'll see you next time. So uh, this is Jim and Kyle signing off. Remember, keep your knife sharp and your friend sharp. Bye.